ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Wednesday, the last day of August. Cut day was yesterday. We'll get into the Saints cuts. But one thing we're going to hit on throughout the morning is the surprising news that came out yesterday morning after I had gotten off the air that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was traded. And Saints fans, many of them were like, no! And then Adam Schefter tweeted out that uh, he and a 2025 seventh-round pick were being traded to the Eagles in exchange for the Eagles' fifth-round pick in 2023 and the worst of their two sixth-round picks in 2024. And then everybody was like, hell no! Now listen, if the Saints had just kept him this season and he played out his contract and signed elsewhere next year, they could have gotten a compensatory pick in 2024. Right? And a compensatory selection really only comes into play if the Saints had no other impact additions in free agency, which that means they would let him go, but then not sign anybody at that position for it to even work out. My point is, this isn't about draft compensation. That's not what this comes down to. And we're going to, look, we're going to visit with Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. He also does some scouting, watches the film. He is the only person I know that covers the Saints that said, look, I I would expect them to to maybe trade Chauncey Gardner-Johnson soon. And everybody's like, what? Now? No, not at this point. He was right. So I got to bring him on, talk to him about that. After we visit with Juge, we'll have open phone lines. You can share your thoughts on it a little bit later on this hour. Gerald Broussard is going to join me in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk a little bit about that, cut day, a little bit about the occasions. But, you know, getting back to, to what this is about. This decision that sent shockwaves throughout a Saints fan base Tuesday morning comes down to one simple word. Trust. That's it. That's it. Because if Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis and the Saints management and coaching staff trusted that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson would still play at the level he has played at, which is good slot corner, not, you know, I mean, he's a good player. You could say, oh, he's a great slot corner. Slot corners aren't valued the same way as starting safety or quarterback is. He's a good player. He's not a great player. He's a good player. And that's all he had to be to become a fan favorite for the Saints because it's not so much how he plays on the field. It's 
how he antagonizes the opponents with his Hall of Fame level trash talk and how he embraces the Saints fan base and the things that the fans enjoy and the players they don't like. And he's stepping up to Tom Brady and folding his arms and he's getting players kicked out and he's, you know, kicking the Falcons logo, all that stuff. I mean, that you do all of that stuff in a Saints uniform. All you have to do is just be good. You don't have to be great. And that's what he was. Now, I mean, he's better than what they got in the trade. I'm not trying to suggest that was good value because as far as on the football field, the Saints didn't get better yesterday by losing him. They probably got a little worse. But again, it goes back to trust. If Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis and and, and Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard the 2D coordinators, if they trusted that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was going to play out his contract, and if he was going to do that in the last year of a rookie deal, he's going to be playing, you know, he's going to be going all out. I mean, he wants to get paid. That's what this is about. If they trusted that that was going to happen, they would get more value in getting that this year from Gardner-Johnson than giving he and a seventh up a seventh round pickup for a fifth and a sixth. I mean, how does how does how, how do the Eagles get Mickey just to throw a seventh in there? It just seems almost disrespectful. But trades typically don't happen on cut day. They don't. Teams might look for someone to trade. Heck, the Raiders called every team. Hey, we got this first round pick, Alex Leatherwood. You want him? Nope. 31 teams said, no, thank you. And he got cut. Boy, Mike Mayak was just absolutely horrendous in Vegas, which I told you guys he was going to be really bad. Oh, no, he knows football. Go look at the first round picks the Raiders have made in the last couple of years. And they've had a bunch of them. I mean, we are talking. The, the the Saints, I mean, back in the 60s and 70s, late 60s, 70s, they were just horrend, horrendous at drafting. God-awful. I mean, it, it, from 2019 to 2021, the Raiders' first-round picks are Jonathan Abram, Josh Jacobs, Cleland Farrell, all drafted in 2019. All of them had their fifth-year options declined. Damon Arnett in 2020, Henry Ruggs III, they were both, they've both been cut. Alex Leatherwood's been cut. Ooh, that is bad. Sorry, I'm getting off track. I'm talking about the Raiders. I have no idea why. Getting back to the Saints. Trust. If they trusted him to do that, they would have kept him around. This, to me, screams that they, they that within the locker room, they feel he's too much of a wild card. Oh, Scott, that's crazy. That's crazy. His teammates love him. I think his teammates do love him. I always point to the practice fight that he got into with Michael Thomas back in 2020 when Thomas Cole cocked him, and the majority of the team seemed to have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's back. Thomas was the one that got suspended by the team. The teammates, they, they, they feel a certain way about him, but the staff, they don't trust him to, as Nick Underhill reported, he was, you know, he was, he was, just not even talking, not 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 taking coaching, right? 
Reports suggest he wasn't even talking back to coaches for portions of training camp practices as a way to hold in, if you will. Players aren't holding out of camps, holding out for training camp anymore when they want a new contract because the fines are now much more exorbitant and they don't want to lose potentially an accrued season played, so they hold in. They might show up to practice and just not participate in certain parts of it. Or in the case of, of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, not talk to coaches. But they found him to be too much of a wild card, and they weren't sure. And I'm not going to go and, you know, some fans were like, oh, he was going to be a cancer. We don't know. We don't know that. I don't know. There's nothing to suggest that, that he's been that way because he hasn't. But who knows what you get really sour with contract talks. You know, Jimmy Graham got sour, still signed a deal, but was sour afterwards. And it, it did impact the locker room. And I love Jimmy Graham. I mean, heck, he was one of the most beloved saints in 2011. A few years later, he got traded and a lot of saints fans were like, see ya. And therein lies another point, which I wrote about. And you can read about at ESPNLafayette.com and on the ESPN Lafayette app. The truth is, a lot of Saints fans loving Chauncey Gardner-Johnson today will turn on him tomorrow. You love talking trash to Tom Brady, kicking the Falcons logo, getting opposing wide receivers kicked out of playoff games. There were a lot of prominent number 22 jerseys in the Superdome last year on game day for a solid slot cornerback. It's because of all those other things. But Despite the sad farewells, I've interacted with fans long enough to know the vast majority of them crying about Gardner Johnson's departure will eventually turn on him because, look, he embraced the fan base. He embraced the culture around it. He's going to do the same thing in Philadelphia. And all the braggadocious trash talk he's directed at other teams and other fan bases is going to eventually be directed toward the team who traded him away yesterday because they didn't pay him what he thought he deserved. Reportedly, they were $4 million off per year. They weren't even close. So how are fans of the Saints going to react when he says something negative about New Orleans or about Louisiana or about Michael Thomas or about Dennis Allen? How are they going to react when the Saints play the Eagles on January 1st? Happy New Year, CD Deuce. We love you. It's probably not going to go down like that. That game's not going to become a tribute to the former Saint. If he plays well in that game, fans are going to be upset. He's rubbing it in after every play. If he struggles, I Saints fans right now are going to say, I'm so glad we we didn't pay him that kind of contract. I mean, look at him. I love when all of the fans say we didn't pay him. Like they're the one, it's the owner that's writing the check. But that's just how sports fandom goes. He's been in the Saints locker room. He's going to talk so much trash. He's going to. We'll never know if there would have been major locker room problems this season and he stuck around, but the Saints front office and coaching staff weren't willing to take that risk. And therein lies yesterday's trade. Trust. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. We're going to take phone calls a little later this hour. Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast is going to join me in about nine minutes. He was uh, 
He was the one that said, don't be surprised if they trade Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And he didn't say that before the draft. He didn't say that when, you know, the Saints were trying to get a Deshaun Watson on the team, which was a bad idea. And, and, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was, you know, one of the players mentioned in the trade. No, he was saying that during training camp. And so he's going to come and give his perspective on why he kept saying that and on, you know, on what they're missing as far as the player on the field goes. Because you've got Bradley Robe, you've got Elante Taylor, but I, as far as a slot corner goes, Chauncey's been great. Philly's not going to play him there. They're going to play him at safety, which can draw you bigger money on the open market if you're playing safety instead of slot corner. Because typically, you're going to go based on the market at your position. As far as Saints' final 53-man roster goes, here are their DBs. They got 10 of them. Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, Bradley Roby, P.J. Williams, Justin Evans, Alante Taylor, Daniel Sorensen, and J.T. Gray. You know, as far as, like, linebackers go, Zach Bond was on certainly on the bubble, and there were a number of other veterans like, uh, you know, an Eric Wilson or a John Bostic, folks thought would make it, but Bond is on there because... Of special teams. I've said it. Said, talked about it to Ross Jackson yesterday. I've told you guys. This team places a premium value on special teams. And they've done so since 2017. And if you really want to go back and look at how bad the special teams were before that. From 2012 to 2016. It was horrendous. Outside of Thomas Morstead. It was horrendous. And since they started really investing in it, it's been one of the things that's been big about the Saints since 2017, and they've won the second most games in the NFL during that time. But Bond and Andrew Dowell and Daniel Sorensen are on the roster because of special teams. They are. And you already know that, you know, JT Gray is obviously, but you knew he'd be on the team because he's that good at special teams. But I, I don't know that there was any major surprises. Lewis Kidd, the only undrafted rookie free agent to make the roster on the O-line, and that's probably because, you know, Penning's about to be placed on IR today. Saints will make another, uh, a, a, you know, a number of transactions. Ian Book being released didn't surprise anyone. But really, I think, I think the next couple of days are going to be super interesting. Who are, the, who, who are they going to get on the practice squad? And this idea that none of these guys are going to clear waivers, they're, they're going to they're clear waivers. Kirk Merritt's going to clear waivers. Deshaun Dixon's going to clear waivers. Traquan Smith, who made the team, might be placed on IR soon. Might be placed on IR. And what's that going to do? Well, that's going to free up a roster spot. Players can come back off of IR now. It's not like the old rules. Now you have only a certain number of them, but no major surprises. Number of the players will be back on the practice squad. Number of players will be back after week one. Why do I say after week one? Because a veteran like a John Bostic or an Eric Wilson or maybe even a Josh Andrews, They cost more money as veterans than as younger players without a lot of accrued seasons. And therefore, if you don't put them on the roster for week one, 
their entire salary for the season isn't guaranteed. They're going to bring, I would say, two of those guys I mentioned probably on the roster week two. At least one. I think Traquan probably lands on IR. You know Trevor Penning's going to be on IR. So that's going to free up some spots. Maybe it's someone from another team. Maybe it's one of the guys that was released yesterday. Making the final 53 is not the end of the story for some of these guys, and not making it isn't the end of the story. It's going to continue here over the next couple of days and for some of these players over the next couple of years. You can look at the Raging Cajun alums and and you can check it all out, every single one of them, over at ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. The Raging Cajun alums that were on training camp and preseason rosters and how they did as far as the final cuts go. And the ones that really were not in any danger of not making their team, they all made the team. There were no surprises there, but none of the bubble guys, none of the bubble guys made it. Some of them are going to play this year in a regular season NFL game, even though they didn't make the initial 53. You know, Justin Hamilton has bounced on and off of rosters for years. He'll probably do it again this year. Michael Jaquette, same thing. Christian Ringo, Jamarcus Bradley. But, I mean, some of these guys, other, other Cajuns that didn't make the cut, Trey Regis, Farad Gardner, and then you've got Chauncey Manak and Raymond Kale, who were released uh, about 11 days ago. Some of these guys are going to play this year. Some of those guys are never going to play again. Maybe a few of them will play in Canada. But that's, that's the reality of cut day. That's the reality of cut day. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. This is the Great Scott Show. Coming up next, Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast will join me. We're going to hit on why he, you know, why he foresaw the Chauncey Gardner Johnson trade happening when it happened. How he foresaw that. What do the Saints lose on the field? Is he with me? Did this thing come down to one simple word? Trust. After Juge, it's your time. Phone lines will be open at 337-269-1077. Gerald Broussard going to join me in the 8 o'clock hour for a segment. We'll talk about cut day. We'll talk Cajun football season opener this Saturday. We'll talk Johnson Gardner Johnson with him as well. It is all coming your way here on this Wednesday morning on the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson moving to Philly. He got in a few little fights. His mom didn't get scared. His agent did. And they didn't move him out of Philly. They moved him into Philly. That has been the, um, you know, that's what I kind of hit on in our opening segment. We're going to have open phone lines in the following segment after this one so you guys can sound off. Gerald Broussard will join me in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk about it. We'll also talk a good bit of UL football. But joining us for a, uh, a quick segment here 
is Andrew Juch of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, uh, a guy that likes to drive Ralph crazy, which I've always appreciated. But, Juch, um, I don't know, a lot of people maybe reluctantly giving you roses, giving you roses yesterday because I heard you. I mean, you were one of those guys that said, look, don't be surprised if the Saints trade Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And I guess the timing of it and everything, a lot of people are like, nah, I don't know. Then it happens. And even though I was, I'll be honest, I, I was not expecting it to happen when it happened. I didn't think of you. And I was like, I mean, Juge, Juge called it. So uh, while everybody else was surprised, what were you feeling when you saw that thing? I, I don't know. How did you find out? Did you just scroll Twitter? Or did Ralph text you in a panic? How did you find out? Yeah, I, I got, uh, listen, Scott, I got about 17 texts. In the, in the space of about 30 seconds. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I knew something was up. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, the news came to me pretty quick from there. And, uh, yeah, look, I'm not surprised. And uh, this all really stemmed and, and really began with the trade trade talks with Deshaun Watson. And you remember at that time, the Saints, uh, there were a number of players that were talked about as possibilities included in that deal when the Saints were – uh, maybe even the favorites at one point to get Deshaun Watson. And, and the names that were out there were Cesar Ruiz and uh, Chauncey Garner-Johnson was thrown out there, of course, as well. And, you know, I, I think there's two different players that, that kind of chose two different paths on, on the other side of that. Now, Ruiz, you know, I don't know that he, uh, based on at this stage of his career with what his contract being what it is and having maybe not played at a high enough level, maybe doesn't feel like he has enough voice to kind of voice his displeasure, but Chauncey Gardner Johnson was really unhappy about the situation. And, you know, ever since then there's, there's been disharmony. Um, and uh, so look, I, I think I'm not surprised, but I think from a professionalism standpoint, I know the saints weren't happy with contract negotiations, contract negotiations. I know Chauncey Gardner Johnson wasn't either. And uh, you know, that led to a period of time where apparently uh, reportedly Gardner Johnson was not talking to his coaches at all, not acknowledging them, not responding to them. He, he was at practice, uh, so he wasn't officially getting fined, but he refused to take part in team drills as kind of a protest for his contract situation. And, you know, I, I think it just came all to a head here pretty quickly where the Saints just felt like they were so far apart in terms of contract numbers and contract terms, and it became clear that not only – were they not going to be come to a deal in terms of a long-term extension? But I think there started to be feelings in the building that, you know, maybe this, he was so disgruntled that this isn't a guy that we can keep around. And uh, so, no, I'm not surprised that it ends this way, but certainly look at, he's, he's a good player. Uh, he's been very, a very solid performer for the saints. And uh, to see him leave like this and only get a fifth and sixth round pick for him. And you send back a seventh, uh, I don't think that compensation just is, is you know, worthy of the type of talent that he was on the field. So I, I think the Saints, uh, it's unfortunate, and I think the Saints uh, got maybe a little bit worse today. Yeah, I, I think I think they did, uh, Andrew Juju, I guess, because obviously to me, if you boil it all down, it's it's a trust issue. Because the reality is this. They're far apart on negotiations. He's under contract. He's not going to hold out. He doesn't want to lose in a crude season. Like, if they hadn't come to an agreement, he does not strike me as a guy that would have gone through an entire season not talking to coaches. Like, I, and I know I know Underhill reported that there were some practices, and part of that is 
the hold-in process since you can't actually hold out. And I'm not even choosing sides here. I'm just objectively viewing it, right? Um, I, I, from the outside, I'm, I'm thinking, man, okay, so he was disgruntled, but is he going to play his way out of a better contract this season by just not doing much or getting sour? Or, you know, like, the, the on one side, it's like, man, it makes more sense just to let him walk next offseason and have it on the team this year. But clearly, in my opinion, within that organization, they didn't they didn't trust him. And and look, we're not there. We see it from the outside. Obviously, he was he was. I, I think he had the respect of his teammates. I mean, you can go back to For sure. where Michael Thomas cold clocked him, and Thomas was the superstar. I mean, CD Deuce was you know the the <laughs> the motor mouth that just got under the opponent's skin. But he wasn't even at that moment in time. He wasn't even playing as well as he ended up playing last season. Like, he hadn't even reached, I guess, his his best as a player yet. And yet all the players in that locker room, if you remember, Juju, and I know you do, they were taking C.D. Deuce aside in that. And, 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 and Thomas was the one that got suspended. And so you hear DeMario Davis's response yesterday. And so the teammates, I, I think they trusted him, but I, I guess the coaches didn't because it's the only thing. If the compensation was better, I would get it. But the notion of, well, you got something now because you weren't going to get anything at the end of the season. I don't think you trade away not having him for a future fifth and sixth and lose a seventh to not have him this season. It's a, at the end of the day, it's just, it's got to be a trust issue, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, we, can, we can listen to what they say. And certainly Dennis Allen was, was uh, you know, respectful of, Chauncey Garner Johnson and, and thanked him for his service and said that they'll be rooting for him before. I mean, he said all, said all the right things, but clearly they wanted him out of the building. When you give up a player like that for a fifth and sixth, uh, I think it was clear to the Saints that they weren't going to come to a long-term deal with him. And at that point, you know, they're, they're so far apart, reportedly $4 million off per year. So, you know, I, I don't know that that was, that was ever close to, to happening. And so I think just that the, the the chaotic nature of the player. And, and I think that's been his greatest asset on the field and, and perhaps uh, a disservice to him in, in contract negotiations and kind of the professionalism aspect that we're talking about. But I, I do think the Saints felt uncomfortable keeping him around with this elephant in the room. And, you know, I, I do wonder, and this is purely me theorizing here, but if you go back to Mickey Loomis in 2016, 2017, uh, when the Saints started, you know, they had built this incredible culture and they had built, uh, worked really hard to kind of change the luck of the team. And it was built on a foundation of character players. And what we saw in, in 2016 and 2017 was the minute they started losing games and going seven and nine, you know, there, there were a number of players on that team. Uh, Junior Gallette, Akeem Hicks, uh, Keenan Lewis, a number of players where I felt like that f- fingers were, were getting pointed uh, and there, there was starting to be disharmony in the locker room. And it, it got to a point where very clearly the character and the culture that was built was undone very, very quickly by a couple bad apples. And I can't help but think and remember, a couple of those guys got big-time extensions, and I think sometimes when you get that big deal, that kind of reinforces the behavior. It gives you a louder voice in the locker room. It gives you more influence. gives you a bigger voice. And so 
I think some of those players started to build uh, a, a culture that was maybe a little cancerous. And I think that resonated with Mickey Loomis. And I think he remembers that clearly. And so I, you have to wonder uh, if that wasn't at play here a little bit. And I'm not, I'm not accusing Chauncey Gardner Johnson of being those people. It's a different situation. And certainly uh, I think at times on the field, he was the kind of guy that if anything, from a cultural standpoint, raised the energy level of everyone around him. He made players around him better. He was a hall of fame level trash talker as Ralph likes to say, but I can't help but think that maybe that played a part in this a little bit where Mickey Loomis remembered that situation. And especially with Sean Payton gone now, Scott, I believe that Mickey Loomis, Dennis Allen, they want to do whatever they can to preserve this culture. And I think maybe they felt it was a little bit at risk here. Andrew Juge, our guest, uh, co-owner and host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Andrew Juge. All right, man, I'm, I, I need to let you run, but real quick, put on the, the scouting cap. I know you analyzed the film. What are the Saints losing, and, and who's going to fill that, that void? Because I see, I see um, you know, Alante Taylor on, on social media putting, I can do that bleep, you know. Uh, I, I don't think it was cryptic at all. I think he was sending out a message. Um, so your thoughts on that, and then I'll ask you the follow-up quickly. What do you make of Philly moving Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to a true safety spot, and is that a good or bad idea in your mind? Yeah, I mean, look, well, first of all, we'll wait and see what Philly does. Uh, you know, I, I certainly think he can play strong safety at a high level. In fact, in some ways, I feel like if you put him in a position where maybe he has a little bit more liberty to gamble a little bit more, that maybe even plays to his strength a little bit. Because I do think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is uh, an, an average cover cover guy. I think that's maybe not his his man coverage ability is maybe one of the weaknesses in his game. His tackling can be a little spotty. He, he's a gambling player, and I think a lot of times he guesses right because he has tremendous instincts, and uh, we've talked about the X factor that he brings that uh, is really hard to quantify, but we know it's, 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 it puts him at a very high level as a football player. But, you know, he's a guy that will make plays for you, but he will make some mistakes too. And so I do think the Saints can maybe plug someone in right away that maybe covers a little bit better, that maybe tackles a little bit better. You won't bring – the emotional uh, component to his game, the way that Chauncey Gardner does. And, and so, look, again, I think there's no way to sugarcoat this that the Saints got a little bit worse today. But when you consider the depth at the corner and safety positions, and, you know, of course, Bradley Roby has had a tremendous camp. He, he was the Texans' best corner a year ago. And, uh, you know, I still think that on most teams, he, he would have a shot to start if it wasn't for Lattimore and Adebo being ahead of him and being so good. Uh, so you and Roby, I think they have a highly capable veteran corner and, and Alante Taylor, they have a second round pick that they're very excited about that I think is a good player. And at safety, we know Marcus May and Teron Matthew are the starters, but look, PJ Williams has been in the system for a long time and out of nowhere, Justin Evans kind of looks like his old self. And he's maybe one of the biggest unsung heroes of camp. And I do think the ascension of, of Justin Evans was, Maybe another reason why the Saints felt like they had the depth in the secondary that they could do something like this. So when you look at the depth in the secondary, you look at all these players, you have to ask yourself, is it really worth breaking the bank? Now, reportedly, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson wanted to be the highest paid nickel corner in the history of the game. And so if that's true and they were very far apart on contract talks, why not allocate those resources? And so this is where in, in the immediate term, I do think the Saints 
slide back a little bit in terms of their quality, in, in terms of their talent, because they lose a really good player. But I do think they have enough depth to have guys step up that can fill a role there and can play well. And remember, now the, these backup guys, they're, co- they're costing the Saints a fraction of the cost that it would cost to keep Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at that contract. And now you start thinking long-term about where else you can allocate those resources. I'm talking about an Eric McCoy extension. I'm talking about a Marcus Davenport extension. The potential down the road for maybe signing a new quarterback. Look, they're going to have if, if they don't stick with Jameis in a couple of years, they're going to have to give a new quarterback a big-time salary to kind of restart with someone new or, or maybe reinvest in Jameis Winston. So uh, they'll be able to spend that money in different ways, and I think they're so deep in their secondary that long-term they'll be okay with this. Um, so that's where we're at. Andrew Juge has been our guest. Juge, I appreciate you joining us this morning. I know you're busy. Follow him on Twitter if you guys aren't already, at Andrew Juge, co-owner and host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. And, um, you know, known as the more rational one, uh, but that's not hard <laughs> when you work with Ralph, Dave, and Kevin. So I, I feel like if you were, like, in a different crew, you might be viewed differently. But you put, them next, you know, you put yourself next to those guys and, Man, in a lineup, you, you stand out, I guess, in a positive way when you're standing next to those cats. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I, I think they bring me down to their level sometimes. So, you know, in a more professional setting, maybe I would, uh, you know, not stand out as a goofy one. But, uh, you know, they bring out the worst in me sometimes. What can I say? But, no, <laughs> it, it's it's fun. Look, we uh, certainly always appreciate the plug, Scott, and uh, we have a great time with St. Happy Hour. So if you haven't heard of us before, uh, or you're, you're not familiar with us, check us out at Saints Happy Hour. We have a, a great dose of, of humor and seriousness that we combine uh, to give you kind of your Saints coverage, and uh, we have a good time with it. Well, it's, it's great for days like yesterday when the news breaks. I mean, you guys had a pot up quickly um, when, you know, and I, <laughs> I tweeted out yesterday, you know, how Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's trade to Philly impacts the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl odds. That would be a talk. That that's how that would be covered through the national media, locally or through you know folks that cover the Saints, whether it be a fan, whether it be a blog, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a writer, a beat writer, whatever. Those are the ones you want to go to. You, you don't you don't need to get Saints content from the national brands. You want to get it from those that that are all about the Saints, and and that's what you guys do. But you keep it fun and light as well. I appreciate the time again, my friend. Uh, all the best. And uh, I don't know about you, man, but I'm, I'm just ready for this damn season to start. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, the Saints have locked in their 53-man roster for now. Uh, I do expect a couple more changes and tweaks here and there over the next uh, week or so as they get ready for the Atlanta Falcons. But, uh, yeah, n- no shortage of news. Uh, we, we certainly got a big, big news over the last 48 hours, and uh, I'm sure there's more to come. So looking forward to it and looking forward to catching up with you again soon. Sounds good, Andrew. We'll talk later. Anytime. Thank you. All right. Big big thanks to Andrew Juge. Uh, and, you know, as he said, Dennis Allen, Dennis Allen said it was a really difficult decision. Well, Dennis Allen is one of the ones behind that decision. And based on the, what they got in return, I don't know that he was all thrilled about that, the decision. And it really came down to trust. But for what it's worth, this is what Dennis Allen had to say yesterday about the C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade. He didn't even, he, he got on the mic. It was the first thing he said. He knew he was going to be asked about it, so he just he just got right into it. Look, I'll just start off by, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, everybody at this point in time is aware that we traded uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to the, to the Eagles. Um, 
I want to say this. I want to say that was not an easy decision. Uh, I love Chauncey. He's been a big part of what we've been able to do here, uh, specifically defensively, a big part of our organization for the last three years. Um, and, and certainly we wish him the best. Um, we wouldn't have done that if we didn't feel extremely confident in the group that we have. We feel like uh, the defensive backfield was one of the deeper positions that we had. Um, and, and we had a chance to acquire some more assets. Um, and, and so that's, that's the decision that, that, uh, that we made. More assets. No, that, that's well done by Dennis Allen. That's the coach speak. Say how hard it was and then talk up the players on your roster. Speaking of the players on the roster, Demario Davis was asked about C.J. Gardner-Johnson and, you know, uh, went into the business side of sports and the life side of sports. And as always, man, he's, he's wise, has a way with words. Here's what one of the Saints captains, Demario Davis, had to say about C.D. Deuce's exit. The game is the game is easy. The game is the game. It's a next man up business, it's the NFL. And so you lose good players all the time. I mean, some some Hall of Fame players were on a team and then they weren't. And so how do you replace a boy like that? We've had to do that here at quarterback, losing, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um, so the game goes on. That's 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 the easy part. The life part is what's challenging. You know, is you know, you, you develop great relationships with individuals and and they're close to you um and and i guess the fortunate part of it is life is that they're just moving to a different location um but just not being able to see that person every day uh being able to laugh and hang out and and chat with somebody that was a comrade that was right beside you so uh i think (laughs) those emotions don't go away imagine being in, in in high school and having your buddies and then your parents come tell you that you're moving and now you have to go Right. And, uh, you know, you experience that on both sides. You, 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 the kids experience the hurt because they're not able to go hang with their friends. That's the first thing they think about. Uh, and then the parents have to deal with the dynamics of moving, getting adjusted. And that's what players and families have to go through that no one sees. Everybody sees the game, but they don't see what's going on in life behind that. Like you have to sell your house. You have to move your stuff. You have to find new, new schools for your kids. You have to build new relationships. And so to everything, every dynamic that someone else has going on in life, that's what we have, we have going on. And so the game is easy. It's the, it's the life part that's, that's challenging. Demario Davis. Saint season kicks off a week from Sunday. How are you feeling about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's exit? Is it different than it was, say, 22 hours ago? You can sound off next right here on the Great Scott Show, 337-269-1077. We can dig into more. Uh, we'll dig more into cut day yesterday in the NFL, some surprise cuts, the waiver wire, things like that. It is all coming your way. Gerald Broussard going to join me in the 8 o'clock hour. Looking forward to that. We'll talk more about C.D. Deuce's uh, trade, NFL cut day, and Raging Cajun football with the G-Man. It's all coming your way right here on the Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the Best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the great Scott show. 49 after the hour. Phone lines now open, as I said, 337-269-1077. Joe Broussard scheduled to join me in about 25 minutes. 
You can email me, scott at ESPNLafayette.com. We'll get to a couple of those emails in just a moment. You can uh, tweet the show at ESPN Lafayette. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Good morning. Hey. <clears throat> okay. Uh, trust isn't a bad word, but I think maybe a more appropriate word would be disruption. And that was the issue. He, he was disrupting practice too much for other people. And that's the reason why they had to get rid of him. And, hey, look, let us not I, – I, when, I, when something like this happens and I hear media guys get out there and, you know, act like they're putting out fires for the, uh, for the team and stuff like that, it kind of – it gets kind of irritating because as fans, we know what kind of a player this guy was. And he wasn't just a good player. He was a great player. He was the fourth best player on this defense. And when you consider that the first three were all in the NFL top 100, that's saying something uh, because there wasn't much of a drop-off between him and number three, whichever one you want to call number three. But the, the, the thing is, when you look at his numbers, the man was hurt for five games last year. He was out for five games last season. We didn't win a single one of those games, okay? He was, he was there for, for 12, and we went 9-3 and three in the games that he was there. So you look at the way the Saints defense has climbed the charts over the last three years, and the fact that this guy was good enough to come in as a fourth-rounder and not only start, but he was a huge part of the way that this defense increased its intensity and climbed the charts as a team as a whole. This guy had a lot to do with it. So the Saints are worse today than they were yesterday. Um, but I understand why the, why the team did what they did. I understand the decision they had to make because he was being very disruptive. And the thing that makes him such a great player and, and potentially such a great leader is also the thing that made him disruptive in this case to the point where they couldn't, the team couldn't deal with it. Right. So I understand that. Yeah. What I don't understand, what I don't understand is why the Eagles and why six pick. I mean, I would have rather seen them go 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 to the Dolphins for the for, you know get offering to every team in the AFC for anything because you didn't get anything anyway. I mean, they got a fifth round pick out of the deal. That's what they got. I went here fifth and sixth because you seventh for sixth, and that don't mean that that pretty much is a wash anyway. You got a fifth round pick out of the guy, which I understood. Okay, well, that's all you could get. It was trade day. I got you. And you make a good point. Alex Leatherwood, first round pick two years ago. They, they, the Raiders just had to cut him with all these other teams having all of these other problems at offensive line. You're going to have to cut a first round pick at, at tackle after two years, and nobody's going to trade you. Who that guy must have problems. But, uh, but, the Saints will be able to absorb this, okay? Because of the players that they went out and got in free agency, somebody's got to step up and be what Chauncey Garner-Johnson was. 
But a nickelback is not what Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was. It might have been what he was listed as. But this guy was a hybrid, futuristic football player that this league is going to eventually evolve to where his position is. And maybe Dennis Allen made it up. But the reason why the Saints don't have the Saints, the Saints didn't keep very many linebackers because they don't need a lot of linebackers because you had Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and uh, and, and they and they linebacker. play they play with five DBs on you know the majority of the defensive snaps. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, that's if, they were, if they were if they were running guy. a four three the bulk of the time, then yeah, they probably have more than five linebackers and less than ten DBs. And granted. Two of those linebackers and two of those DBs, arguably three of them, but definitely two of them are just on the team for special teams reasons. But, uh, hey, man, I got three other well, lines lit up, Kyle. I want to get to them before yeah. uh, before we get, right. uh, get to the all next right. hour, man. I appreciate the call. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Yes, hey, what's up? Oh, oh, I'm not sure if I was on. Okay. Um, yeah, so I might even make it too much of this, but um, – Dennis Allen wore a shirt to the press conference uh, yesterday, and it didn't say Saints on it. They never flirted Lee. It said team on it, right? So am I, like, making too much of, like, that's a statement that it's all about the team? I mean, it, I, don't, I, don't, I don't – it's a good – look, it's, it's a fair point, and I only say that because Sean Payton used to do stuff like that here and there. Right, exactly. Um, now, maybe maybe Dennis Allen, I mean, we're still kind of learning his personality. Like we 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 did we got 15 years of Sean Payton and even when he was gone out of the league for a year, you know, you had videos of him and I don't know, some Caribbean island with his girlfriend flicking off a camera as he's doing the Bernie dance. I mean, you you we we had a good idea of kind of what made him tick and what he did. So I don't I don't know. But I think it's a fair question, and I think, I think as a football player, I mean, obviously Dennis Allen loved uh, John C. Gardner Johnson, but you know, uh, trust—they didn't trust him to not be disruptive. Yeah, um, and, like, and that's that, what it comes down the whole to. Thing about trust—it's it, it, kind of—it's funny because like they trusted Marcus Williams to play out his contract and play on the you know his contract year, and then go to another team without making, you know, a big fuss about it and disrupting the team. And it, well, look, and to be, to, you're right, but to be fair, because um, I think I think it, it, at the heart of your, you know, point, you're right. But I do think it's it's a little apples to oranges in that Williams was on a franchise tag, so <laughs> he was getting paid huh, eight man. figures. I mean, Gardner Johnson, this, if, if I, I, I mean, I guess he signed an extension with the Eagles before he plays. I don't know, but... This was going to be the first year he even got paid over a million dollars in base salary because he was a fourth round pick on a rookie deal. So it's it's different, you know. You can play out your contract when your franchise tag, then you're you're getting eight figures. I don't know that Marcus Williams. Now his personality was more um, subdued. I mean, no one had a personality like Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I mean, I think that's I think that's right. fair to say. No one in the league does, um, and he's he's different. Um, with that person, I don't blame Johnson for leaving too to yeah. try to get. Uh, I mean, get paid, dude. You know, and like it was valid. He had some valid concerns about getting injured. You know, and like this is his contract year. You know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, no, like, no doubt. Um. Yeah. But um. Uh, yeah, it sucks. But okay. So yeah. 
the uh, during the preseason, Justin Evans, that dude, man, uh, I, I like he's got all the potential in the world, man. That guy, when he steps on the field in the preseason with all the the backups, he's head and shoulders above everyone on the field. Like he stands out. When he was playing in the third and fourth quarter of preseason games, that dude was standing out. Yeah, he's just, you know, he, it's it's an Achilles injury in 2019. It's if he can um, stay healthy. Another, another, a failed physical the next year. I mean, it's been, if you look at the last year he played, which was, I think, 2018 with Tampa, I mean, he started a game against the Saints, the one that, that Fitzpatrick went crazy and they, they won. I mean, he's he's got experience. He just, to say healthy, I mean, it's not like he's missed some time. He's missed three seasons in a row. And so. what's weird is, like, that stuff usually doesn't work out. Someone who's been injury riddled yeah. but has a lot of talent, that it, they and it doesn't really mean, come And, look, just because he made the team doesn't mean it will. I mean, we could get news today that something happened in practice. I'm certainly not wishing that. Um, happy for him. A- and and let's, let's, let's pay attention. I mean, he's definitely one of those bubble guys. So sometime in the next week he might be off the roster. But for now, well, this it's thing, a good know. story. I don't know if you saw the roster, uh, roster uh, spots or whatever. With this, but like they had him listed as slot. There you go. Now, I don't know what that means or anything, but it yeah. mean, it mean, it means that he'll play some safety and corner by the technical term of it. Right. But that's that's yeah. And and this and PJ yeah. Williams will probably do the same type of thing. And certainly, uh, Bradley Roby's a corner, but he'll be well, playing some it, in the slot. Thanks. Appreciate the call. Let's go to one more before we hit up the end of the hour break. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Uh, before I talk about Garner Johnson, um, I would love to hear your thoughts. Not now, but I'm sure you're going to talk about the, um, like you said, the uh, current 53. This guy, kid, please, man, I need to hear your analysis on this guy. Uh, it's, hopefully, he's a he's a gem. They found through you know through the un- undrafted player, you know, making the roster. The only I'm already rooting UDF, for this guy. The only I'm already UDFA rooting rookie. for this guy. <laughs> So, yes, I I, I'll be that. honest. I don't know much about him. I know he's from Montana, and uh, he was a UDFA. Uh, I think he played at Montana State. I think he moved from guard to an- uh, guard to tackle. He was an All American at a small school in the FCS, and that's all I got for you. Uh, I think, hey man, the situation with Leatherwood—that is weird, man. That the guy—you think that had anything to do? Like his mind is just. I know he went to Alabama. He had the uh, football player who was drunk, and he killed the chick. Excuse me, killed the woman in a wreck. Um, I think this dude might be just mentally out of it. Just some players can't handle Vegas, man. I think some players. <laughs> Vegas is basically another Los Angeles. So the way you hang out and party, you have to be very careful who you mixing with in those areas, man. And I, I think some of these players, you know, I, I can't, you know, I, I don't know anything. I don't know. I don't have no inside information. But I think some players are getting caught up out there, uh, just wilding out, whatever. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I just think you could be right. I also think Mike Mayock was just a horrific GM. I mean, he's I, – I didn't yeah. think he was – I always felt he was overrated as a scout. Uh, I didn't like his commentary when he was on t- – I just wasn't a fan. Put it that way. I just wasn't a fan. Um, yeah, and I, so I feel- when you look at – I mean, they, they went to Vegas in what, 2020? Um since 2019, I mean, Josh Jacobs was is a good player. I'll say that. But they declined the fifth-year option on his contract. Same thing with Jonathan Abram. Cleveland Farrell was a, was a questionable pick. 
and their last three first round picks have all been cut. Now one of them was was you know because he was obscenely drunk and killed someone in a car wreck in Henry Ruggs III. A terrible story there, but Leatherwood, Arnett, I mean, that when you have five first-round picks over a three-year span and then none of them are on your team, I mean, that is just epic failure right there. And what's crazy is they're still maybe good enough because they, they, they signed some really good free agents. They're maybe good enough to get in the playoffs again. So I... I I think if they, but I think that's the difference. Like if the Raiders make the playoffs or just miss out, you could look at it and people will say, "Oh, that's a success. Good for them." I'm going to look at it and say, if they, if if Mayock could have drafted worth a bleep, they would be a, a Super Bowl contender right now. Because while while they're a borderline playoff team, I mean they're not they're not going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I feel Kyle. Some, uh, you know, he made some good points last caller. Uh, made some good points. Um, and, and I mentioned it, man, you know, you know, you don't want him coming to my tent if he's not already one uh, in the locker room. Um, also, he, he said, why not trade to AFC team? You don't think the Saints talk to his agent like, hey, just go ahead and look for a team. You no, know, I think I, 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 I look, I think I think they were this I, I, this was at this point. It wasn't about compensation. Now, that's not to say that. Once words out that you're trying to deal someone and that same someone is looking for a really big contract, it's hard to get suitors. It is. I mean, why don't you treat him someone else? So that someone else isn't ready to pay that guy the kind of money he wants. I think it's hard. And I think if they had known it was going to go the way it did, they obviously would have traded him back prior to the draft. But they were hoping yeah. they could work and out a deal, and they it. weren't even close. I mean, they weren't even close. And he's he's very unpredictable. I mean, his teammates loved him. But... Yeah, do you remember he had some tweets around that oh, yeah. Watson situation? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So think about that, man. Yeah, the man was – and Kyle made a good point, man. You know, we we praise him. You know, I'm not, I don't really care for it, but we praise him for the antics on the field whatever, you know, getting into people's heads. That's all cool and dandy, you know, but, hey. Dude might be doing that for players in the locker Look, room. I said I it. That, I, I, I noticed that Demario Davis didn't mention his name. Yeah, and I, 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 I said this when he when he was with the team, and then I said it again yesterday, and I wrote about it, and I'll say it again this morning. All the fans that are sad, he's he was gone, and I was I thought he was fun. I enjoyed it. I, I, you know, it made me laugh, but uh, from a fan perspective, they'll all they'll all turn on him really quick. Soon as soon as he starts talking trash about the team he was on, they're all going to turn on him. I've seen, I've read this book. So I'm times. at you, man. What, what, what's that, man? Them dudes. I guess he says he's done with Twitter. But what the, the I mean, the guy uh, can't tweet anything without everyone, you know, fine combing <laughs> it. He was upset that a friend of his in Arizona got cut, and uh, yeah, then he has to clear up that everything's fine, and you know, some national stories were writing things about how it was. Maybe maybe he got word that he wasn't going to start week one. Uh, yeah, you're not following this team at all. That's because that's not <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, um, that's all I had to add. Uh, thank you. Appreciate the call. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Quick timeout. We'll be right back. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 103.3, K277DQ Lafayette. A Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. 
Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Got a shorter segment here. I went long at the end of last hour, but wanted to get everybody in. That was waiting on hold. You know, some feel like the C.J. Gardner-Johnson trade will, will, will be one of those that Saints fans talk about for years and a long time. And I, I this year, a little bit during the season, but it, it, everyone was in their feelings yesterday, okay? You could say, oh, there's no silver lining. I mean, you'll, there's no silver lining, but you're not, we're not privy to everything that's happening behind the scenes. You'll never know what would have been behind door B had they just played this thing out. But everyone was just in the moment. Just in the moment. They'll move on. By the way, um, Listener that called and asked me about Lewis Kidd. Uh, I guess I was wrong. He's not from Montana. He played at Montana State. He's actually from uh, Minneapolis. I had no idea. Yeah. Good for him for making the team. Good for him. Saints today will likely place Trevor Penning and um, maybe, maybe Traquan Smith on IR. Then they'll bring up uh, two others to the roster at uh, 11 a.m. That's the end of waivers. Teams can start being signed to practice squads. Remember, uh, in the NFL, you can have up to six veterans on the practice squad. You can also call up players from the practice squad for two games during the season where you can have 55 on game day, but it doesn't count as being on the active 53-man roster. On one hand, it's good for the player on the practice squad to get called up. On the other, it's kind of a loophole for them to, you know, you play him twice, okay, we don't want to give you a contract for the rest of the season, so now we're going to bring in the other guy at that position and call him up for two games. You're kind of plugging and playing. It'd be nice if they just upped the roster to 55 instead of 53 and not created this loophole that seems like it's a good idea, but in reality, you're kind of just keeping money out of players' pockets that are on the practice squad because believe me, the money you get on the practice squad is vastly different from the one you get if you're on the 53. Not on game day, but for the entire season. Got a number of emails asking about number 22. Can it go back to Ingram? I hope so. I mean, the guys had four different Saints jerseys now. And I I can't get used to that single digit on the running backs. I just, it looks, it doesn't, you know, when Ingram was wearing two in Houston and then five for the Saints, give give him 22 back. Players change their numbers from from you know preseason to regular season a lot. Granted, it's typically not a player that's you know an established veteran like Ingram, but he's already changed his numbers so much. Give him the twenty two back. You guys wore twenty eight, twenty two, fourteen, and five. Might as well just go with five changes. Go back to the one he wanted coming out of college, but Tracy Porter was wearing twenty two, and as soon as he got to change it to twenty two, he did. Wanted it when he came back to the Saints last year. Oh, he also wore 21 in Baltimore and, you know, two in Houston. So, guys won six different jersey numbers. He's only been on three different teams, but 
He and Cam Jordan entering their 12th year in the NFL. It's a long time for both of those positions. Two of the better players in franchise history. Rage Cajun football season kicks off Saturday. Homecoming is October 1st. When the Cajuns take on the Jaguars of South Alabama, you could be the ultimate tailgater by winning the ultimate tailgate party. The ultimate tailgate party for 50 from Fizo Seafood Steakhouse and Oyster Bar, complete with food, drinks, waitstaff, tent, all at the prime tailgate spot, courtesy of UL Athletics and ESPN Lafayette. You're going to get the tent table and chairs set up by Fizo's. They're going to have a waitstaff. They're going to cook the delicious food. They're going to provide the soft drinks and the water. And you're going to get 50 tickets to the game. But you got to win it. And the only way to win it is to sign up. Get on the ESPN Lafayette app now. Click on Tailgate for 50 to win. Or ESPNLafayette.com. Click on Tailgate for 50 on the What's Hot Bar. I hope you win it. And if you do, maybe, you know, invite me by for a nice plate of Fizo's. Hang out. Enjoy homecoming. Just ready for football season to start. I'm just ready. Just ready. One listener thinks, um, checks in, messages the show, says he thinks that Mark Ingram looks faster and slimmer wearing number five. I don't know. I can't, maybe, but Ingram isn't, the, you know, he's not a, a, I don't think he looks, I think when, when, wide when thick guys and, and Ingram's, you know, he's he's short by NFL standards. And, you know, he's he's not he's not a slim guy. So I guess he looks a little I think twenty two looks better on him based on the style of runner he is. Just I can't I can't get used to it. I guess if a if a small little scat back was wearing like like if if Darren Sproles was like around today and he just wore number four, it, it, it pictured in my head though. Even that looks funny. I don't know. I don't like it. And I I do understand that I'm not in the majority there. I know a lot of people love all these different numbers and linebackers wearing you know six and running backs wearing number one or two and yeah, yeah. And maybe maybe part of it is just when I see Mark Ingram in five, it's just it reminded me of Heath Schuler, and so it's just giving me like immediately giving me like acid re- acid reflux and anxiety. That's probably what it is. It's like bringing me back. And, and no, Mark Ingram looks nothing like Heath Schuler. But seeing that number five out there, and oddly enough, it didn't. You know, or maybe that didn't happen when Teddy Bridgewater was on the team. Oddly enough, I don't know why. I just bring, give him twenty two back. Plus, my kid still has a twenty two Ingram jersey. So he could rock it again. I think he got got it very, very cheap at Walmart when Ingram was off the team. He just wanted a Saints jersey, and I was like, eh, here's the cheapest one. Oh, is it, yep, Mark Ingram, he's cool. Didn't tell him at the time that, you know, he was on the Ravens, but hey, bring him back. Give him the number back. Gerald Broussard joins me next. We'll talk about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, that trade. We'll get G's thoughts on that. He's a former player and coach. What it's like in that locker room. What cut day is like. We'll go through some of the Cajuns that were cut yesterday. 
And uh, we'll talk some Cajun football as they kick off their season. What's something that Gerald maybe about this team was very worried about back in the spring, but now that he's been out to practice, seen scrimmages, talked to coaches on the team, maybe he's not worried about it anymore. Feels more comfortable about it. We'll ask him that question and more. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. If you weren't already awake, you are now. CSP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Joining me now, as promised, the G-Man, Gerald Broussard, former Raging Cajun offensive lineman, former Raging Cajun coach, the color analyst on the uh, radio broadcasts, and uh, he is also a friend of the program. And I'm happy to announce that G will be joining me each Wednesday this football season. And while a big focus of our conversations will be about the Cajuns, we're also going to hit on some other things as well as we typically do when Gerald comes on. So he joins us on the phone lines this morning from Houston. Good morning, G. What's going on? Oh, SOS. Just as we were talking, it just kind of, you know, you, you sit here and see all the weather, and, and I actually got a chance to go by practice last week for the Cajuns and talking with some of the coaches and stuff, Scott. Uh, you know, it's it's game week. They've been haven't been able to get outside a whole lot, but they haven't missed any practices. And then, uh, you know, then I get here to Houston, and it's storming over here. And then, uh, you know, it's just playing with the rain, bro. It's welcome to South Louisiana, all, all over the South now during hurricane season, huh? I mean, I feel like you probably wish that there had been an indoor facility when you were playing and coaching because. Well, would you guys just go to like bourgeois and, you know, or, or, I mean, how, what would happen when it would rain like this back in the day? So w- when I was playing, we had a couple of options. We would, we would go to the barns behind Blackham. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was, you know, we didn't know what staff was back then, but I'm sure that's where we got a lot of that oh. stuff. Uh, yeah. Know, right. Right next to the four H the- show while kids are showing their goats around you guys are, you know, doing the, o- yeah. the, the Oklahoma drill. Yeah, we, we did our inside drill in the barns, and uh, and dude, it was hard to breathe. I mean, just it was tough. Or if we didn't get to the barns, we might go in between the decks, uh, up in the upper deck and, and stuff. If if it was just wet, then we we make because bourgeois wasn't there, you know, back in the day. Bourgeois got built later, so we we did get to get into bourgeois when I was coaching. But we've had practices out in the parking lot where the buses go, and you just it and you know. The other thing was that we didn't have a, a lightning meter, you know, so, you know, if, if it popped really close, we, we tended to, to hunker down a little bit. If it wasn't close and we'd hear it, we just, we just kept going wherever we were, but you know, it, it was just, it was just different then. And when, when we built the indoor there, I was thinking, man, this is, you know, it's not that necessary, but now it's just, you realize everything you can do and should have been doing we, what we could have been doing in the past. But, you know, when you don't have it, you don't know what you don't have. Well, it's it's good that, uh, you know, they can practice indoors now. And when it comes to the weather, I, I think, well, I want to I want to hold off because I think we'll talk about, you know, maybe what the crowd will be like for the season opener. And obviously I want to talk Asian football with you. But real quick, Gerald, I mean, the big the big topic this morning has been the Saints trading Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and fans upset and they love him and they love that he's unhinged at times and a Hall of Fame trash talker and folding his arms in front of Tom Brady and kicking the Falcons and all this stuff, right? He was a good player, not a great player, but you, he only had to be good because it was all those other things that 
you know, kind of endeared him to the fan base. But I, I, I know, you know, you're more obviously more plugged into the Cajuns than the Saints, but you're on Twitter. You, you listen to this station. You know guys that, that follow the Saints really closely. When a player gets traded like that, right, right on cut day, not during the draft or before, but at that moment in time, what, is that, what does that say about perhaps how that coaching staff is viewing that player? Well, and, and you know, everybody's got a, a value uh, and a tolerable value, if that makes sense. I mean, you know, some things that, that you see out there, uh, you, you know, what, what, what we see as, as fans, and I, I'm going to qualify myself in that area now is, as a fan, we, we don't know everything that goes on. Uh, and, and, and you try and maximize your, your value, everybody's value on the team. And you put people in certain situations that they can, they can maximize that, whether it be in the playing or in the eyes of the opponent or whatever, the, the job of, of those guys is to try and get the best 53 on the field that they can do. We like personalities, truth be known, coaches don't. We don't want anybody. I mean, you you want robots is what you want. You you don't want personalities around you at all. Now I'm not. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe he's he's just not quite worth the headache that they get on a daily basis. But it's also an opportunity to get something for him too. And uh, and 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 so that at that time I and I don't see and and I keep up with it uh, from a secondary level as you, as you just mentioned. I don't. I mean, normally cut days, you don't see a whole lot of trading going on. No. You just see, you know, people waiting to see who's getting cut, and then they pick them up. I've seen some other people being picked up and stuff, but um, that that is is interesting to me there. Uh, but you know, we we've had some players and had some real good players, Scott. That that, that you know, nowadays people say, well, they they show their personality. You know, they they have personality and and they they they. they tend to make a scene out there. They, they bring their individualism to focus or whatever you want to say. As a coach, you, you look at that and say, Dude, I just ain't got time for that. You know, just, it just, it's a distraction to a certain point. Uh, and, and the more you do it, the better you gotta be. Because look, we all, and we all are only as valuable to our employer as whatever they see our value as, and it's what they see it as. And so when that's in, in any profession, you can get away with certain things at your station that other people couldn't because you do a fantastic job and you have a lot of worth over there. Uh, some, they might tolerate, uh, tolerate some more, some from you that they would not tolerate from others. Same thing with me and my profession that I'm doing now. Um, you know, I have one player saying, coach, I'm, I, I'm kind of a pain in the butt and I'm using that as a nice word. I said, yeah, you are. He said, but I'm good. And I said, oh, yeah, you're good, but you better keep being good. Cause the, the more pain in the butt you bit, you are, the better you better be because it's just not tolerable. And I don't know if that's it. That's what it, the first thing I think about when I see something like that, a, a personality driven type guy is that, okay, somebody's just tired of him. Yeah. I, I, I liken it to uh, a, tr- I just think it comes down to trust. Like you said, I, I'm not in there. You know, I've talked to a few people that uh, aren't in there, but know someone that's in there. And uh, it's a matter of he didn't like, they were so far apart in contract negotiations. And uh, he was kind of such a wild card. And my thing is, if if they trusted him, they would have just been like, okay, you're going to play out the last year of your deal. 
and then you'll hit free agency. We, we're far apart in the numbers, so you'll be able to go wherever you want, highest bidder, but you're, you're under contract. You're going to play this year. That, that in a vacuum, without everything else, is, I think, better value to the Saints than, you know, a fifth and sixth round pick in exchange for Gardner Johnson in a seventh. What you would get out of him this year. But it's not in a vacuum. There are all the other ancillary parts that come with it. And clearly, they just didn't trust him to, you know, uh, be in that locker room throughout the year, sour about a contract. And we'll never know how it would have worked out or not. I just, I know that all the evidence points to that. And, um, and I look, I, I, I wrote about, and I loved him as a fan. I loved him. I mean, I, he, was, he was hilarious. He was unpredictable. He was just fun. But uh, and I think his teammates liked him a lot too because he he got cold clocked by Michael Thomas in a practice season before last and there's your star wide receiver and who were the what side did the players on the team take they took Gardner Johnson aside and I thought that was pretty telling a year and a half ago so I think he has that but but trust of the staff he he clearly didn't have a G because otherwise that trade wouldn't have happened and I think if they had known that it was going to maybe get as sour as it did, they probably would have traded him before the draft or, 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 you know, at a different time, but they needed to free up a roster spot. They needed to do it on cut day and, and they did what they did. Speaking of cut day, let's go there for a minute. Gerald Broussard, our guest ESPN Lafayette. I was talking about, you know, a number of the decisions the saints made um, earlier in the show, but as far as raging Cajun alums go, Gerald, I think most years you've got, you know, a couple of, okay, this guy's on the team. Then you got a couple of, okay, they're on the bubble. And then you got a couple of long shots. This year, as far as Raging Cajun alums go, there were just your surefire guys. And then every guy on the bubble didn't make the initial round of cuts, unfortunately. And, you know, in, in covering these guys and getting to know them, um, I know that not getting that 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 um, well, I shouldn't say not getting that you don't get a call when you've made the team you just you just make the team uh, so I should say the guys that did get the call that their services weren't wanted to be on the fifty three man it's not over for them I mean Justin Hamilton has bounced on and off squads but having been a former coach yourself and known a number of players that have been in the league some of them bouncing around what what from your perspective is cut day like for those guys that are that are on the bubble yeah it's brutal it really is and then some of them get different messages from the their their conversations with the team you know hey if you hang tight give us a day we're going to pick you up on a practice squad others are going to say hey you know we've been get you know we just need to make room for this but we're going to be you know there there is a future there with that team if they hang around some of them get word from their agent that other people want to bring them in. Uh, but it, it, it's, you know, the people in, in the audience listening and stuff, just, you know, we all went through a lot uh, here lately with with the pandemic and with COVID and all that kind of stuff going on. We had some downturns in our in our area in South Louisiana uh, with the, the oil industry and stuff like that. And just think about that conversation that you had, you know, with, with your manager when, when he let you know your services were no longer welcome. Uh, and, and, you know, some people got severances, some didn't, some were sent home. These guys don't get severance. I mean, they're gone. And, and, and uh, you know, it's just, 
if there's an indecision, you talk about uh, Justin Hamilton. You know, he's been fighting it and staying in there and getting a chance to to, to play and, and to be involved in it from year to year. But every year that he goes through this, it's, well, do I start looking for a quote-unquote real job now? Or do I pull away from it? And, you know, he, he's going to uh, – I'm sure he's going to call some of his coaches and talk about it and, and just – uh, talk with his family about it and stuff. But, you know, others early in the process, they're going to give it a year or two and keep trying to go back after it and keep trying to to make it happen because it's, you know, it, it, as tough as it is to be involved in, it's it's that much tougher to give up. Uh, and and it's, it's when that is so many times, Scott, that, that's, you know, those guys' identity. And they feel like that that their identity is taken away from them, and it's it's very humbling. I've been around it at, at facilities when when they're going through cuts, and and um, golly, it's you know you see those guys walk out and they come in with their book, and they know that they're going without it, and so you know they come in, they hand in their playbook, and then they usually are, are you know they're going to be taken to the airport or taken to to somewhere to to be transported home, and it, it's very impersonal. And it's, and it's, um, it's a long day, but if you've got a good support system back home, you can fight through it. But, you know, we, we know Scott, you, you, you've gotten to know some of these guys and and they don't have a very good support system back home. And so, you know, they've got to fight that on their own and with their buddies. And, and that's why it's, you know, everybody talks about the locker room and how close the locker room is. Well, now, now you need your locker room and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I pull for them guys. I watch them. I watch the preseason just to watch the Cajuns out there. I thought it was neat to see the commanders playing with three Cajuns on the field at one time, you know, and um, and, and, and and that's something that you don't get to see often. But, uh, you know, watching Max play a lot of the game the other night, you know, and stuff like that. And it's just, yeah, it, it, it's cool to see, but it's also very, um, you know, it's it's a tough time for them. It's tough for their families too. And then, you know, there's going to be a time where they got to move on, and then we wish them well. Hopefully, we're all there to help them out. And you just hope you get that the you know enough playing enough games played, um, being on a 53 man active roster for six or more games for three seasons, so you can, you know, get that pension eventually and. And, and and make some money later in life off your career. And, you know, you got a guy like Elijah McGuire who fought so hard. And I don't, you know, on and off practice squads, do you? But I don't know that he ever fully was able to get that third accrued. When Ringo, it took him a little while, but he got it. But for some of these cats, man, it's, you know, you see a guy like Hamilton, you bounce on and off, but you want to stay on just long enough so you can get that ultimate win. And for a lot of these guys, they they don't. It's not just about the contract that day or, or, or the contract that season, you know, it's, if you can hit that, that three season mark, that's huge. And, you know, for the, for those that don't know, ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports, as far as raging Cajun alums go, you know, this year it was just, you were either in and if you were on the bubble, you didn't get it. Right. So like guys like Tracy Walker in Detroit and Elijah Mitchell in San Francisco and Robert Hunt in Miami and Kevin Dotson in Pittsburgh and Max Mitchell with the Jets and Percy Butler with Washington, you know, two draft picks this year, two rookies. But none of those guys were on the bubble. None of those guys were in danger of not making the 53. But then you had guys like Michael Jaquette, who has been on several teams. You know, was on New York to start camp, got released, got picked up by the Chargers. Chargers didn't keep him on the initial 53. 
I mentioned Christian Ringo, you know, with the Saints last year, signed with Arizona, didn't make their 53. Jamarcus Bradley, he has gotten called up. He has spent some time on the Browns active roster, but didn't make their 53 this year. Trey Regis, right, from from Vegas to, uh, you know, a tryout for the Saints to the Rams. He signed with them, but didn't make their 53. Farad Gardner in Washington didn't do it. Uh, Chauncey Manak in Green Bay didn't do it. Raymond Kale in L.A. didn't do it. Now, Manak and, and Kale were released, you know, uh, about 10 days ago, but all of the bubble guys this year, and yet you see a guy like Hamilton and you realize, you know what, um, it, it's not necessarily the end for some of these guys, or a guy like Jaquette, but of the guys I mentioned that didn't make the initial 53, Gerald, a few of them are going to play this year. Some of them are never going to play again, and that's just the reality of the situation. Um uh, a guy that that was, you know, uh, easy to root for. Great support system, right? Deuce Wallace got in the Saints camp last year. Made it through the first few rounds of cuts. Didn't make the 53 and, you know, it's not not in a camp this year. I mean, Elijah McGuire after several years and on. And maybe he's got enough of a familiarity with the Chiefs that at some point if they have injuries, they'd call him. I don't know, but not on, you know, not not on any preseason rosters. I think that's telling. And so... It's just there there are far more players that are released and don't make it than the ones that you know about that are consistently there. And every one of these players, we're just talking about the ones that you are, but every one of those players has a story. And I think that's why Hard Knocks, we won't get in last night's episode today because I know you and I haven't watched it yet, but mm-hmm. I'd imagine there were uh, there's probably pretty emotional moments in there when it came to you know cutting and, and releasing some of those guys. Yeah, it is. And, 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 you know, coach Campbell and his staff are, are, I mean, they're players guys, they know, and they remember what that feeling was too. And look, uh, uh, those guys on the staff, he's got some, some guys who played a long time, but uh, you know, but, but they remember what that feeling is. And, and, you know, hearing those names as you, as you go through them and, and trying to visualize them and knowing that the, you know the impact that they they had for for us there in Lafayette and what they were what they've been able to do for the Cajuns there, and then you just again you wish them well you know as they come through you know and because some of those are gonna they're gonna play you know and and one of them that I and look I I've been a fan and I, we I know we've had good running backs come through and stuff but it, I know it's just hard for me to believe that Trey Regis can't find the spot. I just, it's hard for me to believe that, you know, that, that, that guy can't find the spot and, 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 uh, you know, and it shows how hard it is. And, 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 but, you know, it, when, when you look at it and, and you see the guys come through, you, you remember Alonzo Harris who, who had done it and had a chance in green Bay for a while. And we've had guys come and, and go back and forth, but, Trey was one that when he ended up in Vegas and I thought he was going to be able to stick there, but when the transition and staff, you know that, but then going to, to, uh, I thought, I thought his appearance in, in Los Angeles was going to be bad for Raymond, which I, you know, I, I don't know that that was why Raymond was let go, but I, I knew it wasn't good for Raymond to have more numbers in there, but uh, I, I hope and, and knock on wood, I'm pulling for him hard just because I, I think that he's he has the ability to play. Michael Jaquette, Michael, if you think about him, remember Scott, Michael came in was a high school quarterback and then was going to be a receiver and then moved to defensive back. And, and, and then the coaches just talked about his range. And so he's still green to the position. And um, even though he's he's been fighting it for a long time, you know, it, it's um, – 
and and there's places for them to play if they want. And I don't know if you remember a, a guy named Tyree Saber who played for the Cajuns yeah. years ago. Yeah, played in Cincinnati and, and yeah. yep, fought it for a while, and then and then got a chance to go to Canada, and and had a great career in Canada. And I'm talking about a great he he heck he might still be playing. I, I know he's not, but I mean, uh, you know, he if he didn't finish uh, uh, just the last couple of years, I'd be shocked because he played a long time. Went from being a defensive back to move a, a Canadian linebacker is how they play, but he's really like a nickel guy playing in the box, and and, and you know so there are spots you know I, I know Levi got a chance to go to Canada I know there are spots out there if those guys want to keep playing then then uh, I, I think there are spots they'll be able to find a way to keep playing. Kyrie Zabier's last season was 2018 with the Ottawa Red Blacks. How about that? Married a Canadian girl and stuff. I haven't talked to him in a while. It's been a couple of years, but uh, yeah, he's from he's from Eunice. Yeah. Um, so Gerald Broussard, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. We've talked about Chauncey Gardner Johnson. We talked about Cut Day. Uh, let's talk about the Cajuns, who will finally kick off their season this Saturday. You and I have discussed expectations for this year. Um, what, what's something, Gerald, that you know when fall camp started? You, you you didn't know anything about in regards to this team that you now have and you think the staff has a better grasp of. Maybe it's a positional unit, maybe it's a player, but now that they've gotten the reps in, now that it's game week, now that it's almost here, where is an area that, you know, when I talked to you a month ago, you're like, I'm not sure. And today, maybe the question, maybe for the for good or for better or worse, but that question in your mind is starting to starting to be answered. I, I think that the rhythm of what I, I've seen in the couple of times I've watched them play, the rhythm of how things are going and, and what uh, the offense wants to do and the deep I, – I know I know what Lamar wants to do defensively. He wants to get speed on the field and run. And, and, and they are able to do that in there. They get after it and they play – they take care of each other very well in practice. I mean, I've said that before to you. And I think that's awesome that they can do that practice good on good and not do it run you always run the risk of hurting somebody but they take care of each other so as they minimize that risk uh but but the, seeing what what they're doing defensively and the christmas of, of crispness of what they're trying to do defensively i i i anticipated but i'm not surprised by that i've i've been really impressed with just how clean everything looks offensively and so um you know it's it's going to look similar it's going to look different i mean if if you really want to study it you'll see slight differences here and there and you'll see some similarities but when i say what I, i'm talking about there scott and we'll see it on the field i i'm, I'm, I'm i anticipate it i'm not having any hiccups i guess I, i'm not i'm not concerned about getting plays i'm not concerned about people getting lined up correctly i'm not concerned about the, the rhythm of what's going to happen out there uh i i think that there is a um there's a method to the madness that's visible, and it's I, I like I like what I see. They're going to be physical. I, I I think that's just the nature of of being here. Um, is that they're going to get after it up front. I think there's some young depth in the offensive line. Um, that I'm I'm anxious to see develop. I I really am. I I think it's there talent wise, skill wise, but it's got to develop, and it will. Uh, as the seed, I think it's a it's a good schedule to 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 be able to do that. So uh, you know, I, I it's been clean and it's been impressive what I've seen and been able to watch. I, I 
and look, I'll just say the spring, I was not very impressed. I'm, to- I have a total different 180 on, on what I saw in the spring. I've on got confidence line. in what I, what I saw. I, I would, I was, I was worried in the spring, but I'm, you know, I, I'm not saying the Cajuns are going to go 12 and 0. I'm not going to say that. I've already told you what I think. But, but I think that um, I think there's some 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 true opportunities for some success out of it. And look, you didn't just lose a senior class, and that's the thing that that uh, you know people got to understand. You didn't just lose a senior class, but you, but you lost all the transfers too. That you know, think about if you had all those guys back with this team. Uh, there would have been very, 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 very few questions about anything. You know, it just, you know, if, if you had the two running backs that are going, if you had the two linemen that are going, if you had the receiver that's going, if you had the DB that's going, if you had the linebacker that's going, that all, all were not, I mean, they didn't graduate now. I mean, they might have graduated, but they didn't lose their eligibility here. It's just they chose not to con- to continue uh, their career here, which, um you know, I think that uh, no matter who has the job, I, I, it, it's going to be a lot tougher because of that. But I, I'm excited for, for Coach Desmo, and, and, and I, I hesitate to call him Michael because he's, he's the head coach of the Cajuns now. So he's Coach Desmo. I'm excited for him to be able to do it and for him and his staff to be able to show all the work they put in because uh, I've been impressed. I really have. We, uh, I think they're tired of answering the questions. They're ready to play ball. I know we're ready for them to play ball. And uh, they'll do it Saturday, 6 o'clock, Cajun Field against Southeastern. Pre-game show starts at 4 with Steve Pelliquin and Richie Falgu. Gerald Broussard and Jay Walker in the booth. Cody Juno on the sideline. I'll be back here in the studio for the first few games as I'll be training a number of new producers for UL football. I will uh, be hosting the post-game show in the Rage for this season opener, but uh, until I'm ready to hand that off, I won't be at the games in person. But by the time homecoming rolls around, I will be. Uh, in the meantime, we're all we're all working Saturday, but we're all ready for this thing to kick off. And I think my final question for you, Gerald Broussard has been our guest. He's going to join me on Wednesdays this football season. I'm excited about that. Uh, what as as a as a former coach yourself, what's the one thing at the top of the list? Aside from a win, right? That's always number one. Aside from the obvious, winning. What's the one thing at the top of the list that, that you think Coach Des wants to walk away from this Saturday night and and being able to check off a box of, okay, we did this. This is at the top of the list for this season opener. And and I know it's his not, not his first game as a head coach. That was, you know, the New Orleans Bowl last year. But it is, in a lot of ways, right, it's the start of the new regime because <laughs> – Heck, a lot's just changed just since that bowl game, right? Um, so with, sure. with the new with the new regime starting, it's not just your your typical season opener. It's different for all the reasons that we know about. What's what's that box they you think they 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 might not be able to check off, but it's the one they really in a perfect world they'll be able to check off. I think that they're, they I really believe they want to set an identity for who they are, for what they're going to be and who they are. I know everybody talks about you make more improvement from the first game to the to the second game, and that's because you don't have scrimmages and you don't have jamborees and you don't have preseason game in college. First game counts. And and so uh but but I I know that that they they have a vision of what they want their their identity to be. 
you know, UL talks so much about culture and what do they mean by culture and stuff. It's just the way they do things. And it's a, it's how they do things. You, you hear the interviews with Coach Dez, and I listen to when you talk with him, and, and I, I think he's he is very upfront with you. He, he's almost matter of fact with what he, he says because he he knows he talks about the kids and how hard they work and what they are, and he he wants that identity to come forward and and, and to, to to be visible and to be there. Uh, you know, come Saturday, and and the sooner they set that, I, I think that that was the thing that as as you stayed around here the last few years, one thing that being and I, I was around them a little closer, you know, the last year when I was traveling, the last two years traveling with them and stuff, but but just an air of confidence walking around those guys, Scott. There was no doubt that they were going to win the game. Uh, and, 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 you know, winning is a habit and, and, and that became habit for the Cajuns here and has become habit for the Cajuns, but that's reestablished every year. And it, it all goes to the identity of who you are. You are, are and I, I do believe that the Cajuns are going to want to be somebody that's going to play fast, play physical, play clean, but they're going to strike and continue to strike. And, and, uh, you know, I I know uh, Coach Dez is, is is I know him as a player. You know, I know his personality. Uh, I see him with his coaches and how he is with his coaches, and uh, I know what Lamar was as a player. You know, Coach Morgan, the defensive coordinator. I know what he wants his players to be, and 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 so I think that that's the, the sooner they can establish that and get a good footing on that, then they will build on that and continue to build on that, and you'll hear that word culture continue to come out and and. Like I think it's really neat. They talk about culture, and culture is coming, and culture is here, and we are culture, and all that kind of stuff. And that's just the air of what's being built there on Reinhardt, what has been built there, and what they're leading to it. And I think that they want to be able to establish that because you know he he wants to get that win to get just to get it going. It's you know I know everybody talks about where it's going to be his first game, and you know him now, and so it's not about him. He doesn't want it about him. I'm talking about Coach Desmo. He wants it about the players, and he wants them to be able to feel that. And I think that, you know, I think that's what he's going to look for is to see that they play clean, they play fast, they play right, and they start establishing that identity. This is who we are in 2022, and this is what we're going to do. And, look, it's we're coming out here. When they blow the whistle, we kick it off, we're going to start a fight. When they stop us, we'll stop fighting. But in between, we're going to fight the whole time. And uh, I think that's what I'm, I'm so looking forward to watching them play. Joe Broussard has been our guest. It's the great Scott show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. G, appreciate you coming on, talking Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, NFL Cut Day, and, of course, Rage Cajun football, longest winning streak in uh, Division One college football, 13 games in a row. They'll look to make it 14, and yet uh, – Talking to players, they said they really haven't mentioned the winning streak much. Talking to Coach, he said, he didn't say it outright, G, but he almost insinuated maybe the only time it gets brought up is the fact that they're not really ranked or talked about much despite that. So uh, it only gets brought up when you can use it as um, chip-on-the-shoulder material as opposed to, uh, hey, we're good. You know, I mean, that's that's Coach Psychology 101 right there, right? Uh, but I'd say with this group, it, it doesn't take a lot to get them to have a chip on their shoulder. They're just... They're full of guys like that from the staff to the to the players on it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Gerald Broussard, catch him this Saturday on the call with Jay Walker uh, right here on ESPN Lafayette on Hot 107.9 and on the entire Rage of Cajun Sports Network from Learfield 
and all season long. Gee, look forward to talking to you next week. Look forward to hearing you on the call Saturday. Always fun, my friend. All right, big thanks to Gerald Broussard. When we come back here on the Gray Scott Show, what happened yesterday on Saints Cut Day that might prove that I was dead wrong about one particular subject matter? I'll explain next. It's the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Welcome back into the great Scott show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Been a great show today. Been a lot of fun. Tomorrow on the show, got a special guest for you. Her name is Alex George. She uh, is a huge Braves fan. She is a uh, NIL influencer and social media manager up in uh, New York City. And uh, also a Dogs fan, has some thoughts on the Falcons. But we're going to talk plenty of football and other things with her. It's going to be great working on another guest as well. Stay tuned for that. So Trevor Penning, I expect the Saints will place him on IR today, but not doing it yesterday, leaving the door open by the way that they're doing it, that he could possibly return this season. And by doing that, I, I look, when... Torn toe ligaments, I felt like done for the season. And you know what? I still might be true on that, but I was pretty adamant about it. And the fact that the door's still open, that hey, maybe he'll return at some point, even if it's in like, you know, 2023 on New Year's in a game against the Eagles or, or a playoff game, whatever. It might be late, but better late than ever. The fact that they're leaving the door open, I got to admit, I might end up being dead wrong about Trevor Penning and that being a season ender. And you know what? I hope I am. Hopefully they can get him out there this year. They need depth. They need help. He needs the reps, even if it's only for a week or two, whatever it takes, wouldn't be a bad thing. Not betting on it yet, but it's worth keeping an eye on. That's going to do it for the great Scott show. Big thanks to Andrew Juice, to Gerald Broussard. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.